everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. On. Oh, they're lovely. Okay, we're live. Hello, everybody. Hello, Emma. <laughs> hello, everyone, and hello, Chloe. How are you today? I'm really cold. Like, really, really Me cold. Me too. Is it cold? Maybe it is cold. I thought I was maybe getting ill or something. Maybe it's just. Oh, you're in Dundee, so I can't really comment. Let me see what the what the temperature is both where you are and where I am. Uh, right, so where I am, the temperature is five degrees, and where you are, the temperature is uh, Scotland. There, there's loads of Dundee's three degrees, so you're only two degrees colder than me, but it's cold. That'll be why. That'll be why. Um, I've added that now to my um, to my weather charts. So now I can always see what the weather is like where you are. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Okay, so we've got questions to go through, but we also have a topic that we wanted to start with because this has come up a couple of times in the group. Self-sabotage. Sabotage. Yeah, so Amelia, obviously, Emma's uh, another one of Emma's business partners. Um, Emma, you work with so many people. <laughs> um, so she she did a post recently and we've been tagged in it a couple of times in our group and I've been tagged in it a couple of times in my other group. Um, and... I think it is fair to say that a lot it resonates with a lot of people and there's actually there's a there's a fair few angles to look at this and talk about this Emma I'll let you start okay I'm gonna build the picture of this because this post was actually after a conversation Amelia and I had because I'd listened to a podcast and it was basically it was a psychology podcast and they were talking about self-sabotage and I was like oh this is something a lot of people struggle with so I want to see what the like psychology of it is I honestly I didn't really agree with the outcome of it or like what they were saying and this is why I put it to Amelia because I was like what are your thoughts on it and let me just get up what um so on the podcast it was talking about the fact that people self-sabotage and I guess this is what Amelia's post was about as well because of the fear of change and because of the fear of like unpredictability and maybe because of you have this idea in your head that when you reach a certain weight, everything's going to be different. That's when you'll get a boyfriend. That's when you'll move abroad. That's when you'll start your business. That's when you apply for a new job. That's when you'll feel happy. And then as you get close to that and you, I don't know, you're a kilogram or two away from that quote unquote goal weight, you realize that isn't what's going to happen then. You still don't feel any different. And that's where the self-sabotage creeps in. I don't think that's true for 90% of people. I know that a lot of people resonated with that, but I honestly don't think that's why people are self-sabotaging. When I see the people we work with, the reason that most people go off track is because they're impatient. They're bored of not getting results. Yeah. It's not the fact that they're self-sabotaging because they don't want to succeed deep down inside because of the fear of what's going to come with this success I honestly don't think it is that and I think there will be a couple of people who maybe that is the case for but I think the vast majority of people that isn't the case it's the, it's just 
impatience basically it's they thought they were going to get more results they thought they were going to get to where they wanted to be quicker than what's happening at the moment like and they thought they'd be there by now sort of thing and then they they just get distracted it's the struggle of the delayed reward that's what holds Mm. most people back that you have to put in the effort now for results later when actually you could get an immediate reward from enjoying a pizza right now but it doesn't align with your long-term goals of weight loss for example that's where i see most people struggling with it and i think a lot of people use the term like self-sabotage as an excuse it's not even as an excuse because it like it is self-sabotage because you're doing something which doesn't align with your goals but i don't think it's usually because you're scared of succeeding i think it's because you're impatient which is normal like i that's what i struggle with as well working towards my goals it's it's impatience rather than oh i'm really scared about what would happen when our business gets much bigger or something like it's more the point like oh i'm I'm bored of where I am now and I wish I was there already. But then it's just realizing that things things that are worthwhile take time. Hell yeah. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. So I have like, like a few different thoughts on this and shock horror. I think it comes down to the individual and there are, you know, we talked about this around like December, January time when the whole anti-diet community starts banging their drama loud and clear for everyone to hear you're enough. Love yourself. Love your role love your stretch marks and that is a fantastic movement okay I back loving yourself regardless of how you look a hundred percent but and that's great and a lot of people need to hear that they need to know that because they're obviously everyone else is banging their drums going get in shape in January so it's actually great that everybody's being represented but what we've lost here is character personality different people the fact that humans are different so I think from this perspective it is absolutely fair to say that there are some people who feel like everything will get better when they get these let's say in this context but this can be applied to anything when they get these aesthetic uh results uh, the body that they've kind of always wanted but i do think there's an element of knowledge in their head that knows that all the problems that they had before they're still going to have therefore and we come back around to cost benefit which emma and i always talk about Is it really worth it to put in all this effort and all this energy when I think deep, deep down inside, you know, you're still going to have the same issues. And if you listen to anything that especially, you know, people like Amelia and Haley, for example, talk about, if anything, your body image gets worse when you get those results because you're terrified of losing them. And of course, unless you continue to like work your fucking socks off to get better and better and better and better. And that kind of really comes with it being your job, to be honest. Uh, you're never really going to be satisfied like that again. And it, and it does play, it is psychological warfare and it is fair to say. However, there is, there are definitely people out there, uh, myself included. The reason why we self-sabotage has got nothing to do with uh, what will happen when we succeed. For me personally, it's again cost benefit because I really know what it takes. Now I've done it a fair few times. And sometimes I'm like, I just, I just don't know if I, I just don't know. And I, again, it's like a, kind of a lack of self-belief and kind of a lack of, a lack of desire to do it it's a bit of both. I think it's, it's just like, a change oh. in your values and I think that happens yeah. to most of us like as we grow up in the industry like your values change and you're like oh I'm actually more than just how I look and it's that realization that you have more to offer than just looking a certain way 
And then when exactly. your value isn't placed as much on that, then you're right. Like your cost benefit equation it becomes changes very hard. You're like, yeah, this isn't everything. And I think that's a good thing. It, I think that's growing up. It's maturing. I agree. I completely agree. There, mo- I would say the last time I got in really great shape was maybe like 2019. And I've really like, like, I just tried a couple times. I'm kind of, I'm hoping to to do it again by May. But like, I'd be lying if I said it meant as much to me now as it did then, because it doesn't. Because I've got nothing left to prove. I know I can do it. I know how to do it. But there is, so there, there is another another perspective of looking at this, and this is kind of what my post came on. I listened to a podcast the other day on paralysis analysis, right? Paralysis by analysis. Which is like basically kind of a very common human trait historically, where the more you overthink and overanalyze all the options, you know, you know, you know how to break into Troy, <laughs> all the options of what you've got in front of you, the more that you you delay time, you delay action. Um, and I I think for myself, and this is this is really what got me thinking. And then weirdly, halfway through the post, I, I kind of started thinking about the Amelia posts and all the all the tags that we were getting about self-sabotage because they are kind of interlinked at least from my perspective they are um it got me thinking that like for me personally now the more that I know the more science that I understand about how to change your body or the body and the more variables there are as opposed to what I used to do which was pretty savage like just I would just get eyes on the prize tunnel vision get shredded done and that led me to what Emma and I always say falling quite hardcore the other way the other side of the extreme regaining all that body fat and more in two three weeks um I look at it now and I'm like the more that I know and all the different options there are of getting there and how variable it is and you know take my time go quick cut this out or have have a more balanced approach all these things the harder I find it to achieve because there's so many different roads I'm stood there going this one or this one or this one or this one and I'm overthinking whereas I'm just going to be honest it was easier when there was one strict way Slash your calories like mad, go, go, go. But then I never maintain the results. But yeah, yeah choices so make it hard. I, and you're right, like paralysis yeah. by analysis is is massive. But I also think that you can look at that another way, like within this example of I think some people are not analyze too much their thoughts. So they're like, Am I self-sabotaging because of my internalized childhood trauma about X, Y, and Z? And it's like you're thinking so much about all that that you never make any action. You never do yeah. anything because you're so yeah. in your own head, analyzing every single thought that you have, which is becoming yeah. like more and more popular now with, and, I'm, and I think like meditation is good to an extent, like questioning your own thoughts. I am a massive fan on to an yeah. extent until you're like, yeah, this one thing came into my head and I just can't understand why I was thinking about that. And then you just that. waste like, time. Who fucking cares? It's the same with like the scale weight to an extent. It will fluctuate and everyone wants to know why. Like, oh, why why am I two pounds heavier today? It could literally be anything. Are. Like, stop thinking <laughs> about it. Just accept that it happens. And I think, yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. You can think so much that then you don't take any action whatsoever. And you touched on body yeah. image there as well. And I think it that's an important thing that people don't realise that you can look like how you look doesn't really impact your body image it's how you feel about how you look so yeah like you're saying like you might think right when I'm 60 kilograms I'll have great body image you won't because you haven't changed your thought process around how you look you could you know you could be extremely overweight and have amazing body image because you've decided that you love your body the way it is and you appreciate it and you could be extremely lean and have awful body image because you're picking yourself apart the whole time 
it's really not got that much to do with how you look like your body image is how you think about your own body I 100% agree with that and I 100% agree with that my last point on this just to go back to paralysis analysis because I really like this paralysis yeah I think it, it trips so many people up yeah it's 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 fascinating so I want and actually podcast- sorry just before you make that point like doing the like quote-unquote wrong thing or like not quite the right thing will get you far more results than doing nothing like even if it's not perfect that like I'm always talking about perfectionism but it's the same thing it's like I'm looking for the perfect diet where's the perfect diet or this might be it this might be it you don't need the perfect diet you don't need the perfect plan you don't need the perfect business plan like you don't need anything to be perfect you need action over anything and you can figure out a lot of it along the way 100% agree um but one thing that stuck with me, this is really funny. So <laughs> the irony of this, what, one of my guests on the podcast it was either series one or series two. And what I used to do is because it used to be a, a joint effort between me and my publishers as to who we'd have on. So my publishers would put forward five names. I think we can all realize who they would be, celebrities. And I'd put forward five names, people like Emma, right? And this was our compromise because they basically were funding the podcast um, to kind of help promote the books. And so one of the names they put forward for series two was Lucy Watson. And I was like, you know what? She's a vegan and I'm not. And she's got cookbook, vegan cookbooks out. Like, you know what? This, this is going to work. This is going to be great. I'll, I'll ask all these questions. And, you know, it was, it was a hard interview. But I will say there was one thing she said that has stuck with me ever since because it's totally true. And Emma and I touch on as well with being a vegan and how the choice is made for you. And that makes action very fucking easy. But one thing she said was, I said, it must be really, like, I struggle to stick to my diet when I'm traveling. Not only like in transit, but then when I get there, like it's, it's often like, especially like if it's in the UK, but it's often like a bit awkward and there's not that many choices. And I was like, as a vegan, it must be the hardest thing in the world. And she was like, oh no, it's the e- easiest part of being a vegan. And I was like, why? She was like, because you have to go back to basics there are no options you can't get creative with what you can eat what you can't eat what you can order what you can't order she was like you have to go back to raw basics she was like and it's easy because the decision is made for you and this is one thing that i found myself in the in the later years the kind of the more knowledge that i've amassed constantly having to say to myself just go back to basics you know what works you have to do it you have to dig in instead of constantly saying mm, can i trade this and this and this why emma and i always talk about banking calories for some of you, it's going to be a huge success because you need to have more room to play with on the weekend. You know, Lane Norton talks about this. James Smith talks about this. Uh, Bill Campbell talks about this. Everybody talks about this. Human beings need more room to play with on the weekend. But for some of you, and this applies to me, this just leads me chasing my tail round and round and round because I have more options to play with. And I can't do that. I work well and I get the most success when I go back to basics and I do exactly what it is I have to do and I execute it and I don't think about it. The more I think, the more long-winded it becomes. So that's kind of where I was coming from with the post. But I was really interested in in what a lot of our clients have been saying about Amelia. And I think Emma is right. Just sorry, last day, I know I'm going on. But just to finish this, like from my point of view anyway, I also think that a lot of the time you guys self-sabotage, especially those of you who have lost a lot of weight, um, for one of two reasons, either psychologically, like dieting is hard. Like, like it can get to a point where you're like, fuck, I just want to eat it. I've said no for 12 weeks, you know, or 16 weeks, however long. 
And sometimes you just do have a slip up. It's just part of it. It's part of dieting. It just happens. Okay. And second of all, for those of you, and there are a lot of you on the EC method who've got fucking lean, it's because I don't think you physiologically understand that your hunger cues now are all over the fucking shop and you've never had to deal with that before. And that will push you to fall off the wagon and eat. And you learn that and you learn it. And hopefully you are Semmer and I, and we say, well, you're pretty lean. And you know, all of your hunger cues are going to be fucked. And this is something that you have to go through to understand. Um, but yeah, there are, there are many psychological and physiological factors at play that have nothing to do with, am I good enough? And have a lot more to do with the actual diet itself. Yeah, there's a, a principle called Hanlon's razor. And it basically is that the most simple answer is usually the answer. The answer and honestly, yeah, the most simple answer isn't that you've got some internalized fear of success or, or of reaching a certain point or of like reaching your goals. It's probably that it's fucking hard to do. Like, yeah. so like what we're saying here is like, don't psychoanalyze yourself too much don't too start much. like overanalyzing yourself and never making any action because what the most obvious answer is usually the answer and I know that it's like human nature and I'm like we're the same as well to think that you are the exception to the rule and you're the one percent that's different but the chances yeah. are like again another economic principle the base rates as in what are the chances of this occurring in the population <laughs> like you're probably the 99 percent like you yeah. are probably closer to the average than you think. Um, but great points about Lucy Watson as well. But I remember listening to that because I remember you were a little bit nervous about putting it out and it was so good. I thought it was going to oh. be really bad because I was like, oh, she's going to come on and push like veganism. It'd be so awkward for you and stuff. But the thing is, she wasn't like that at all. Like she wasn't pushing. Oh, no, she, she, she's, she's become a friend in subsequent years. But it was tough because she didn't want to push veganism as a diet is in as a way to get in shape because she's not an idiot and she knows that that would be really bad PR um she but but obviously I do write about that kind of thing so she was hesitant when she came in she came in quite guarded when it comes to talking about it which when you're conducting the interview is tough like yeah. it is hard but she warmed up she did warm up and towards the end like she was actually giving out some really great advice and since she's become like a friend of mine she's a really lovely girl not to mention I mean rich ridiculously beautiful like see like, that would be so at. intimidating like not so only is she guarded but also looks like look like that incredible like, and you're just like, sat there like Ugh. like it's so i'm just like oh this is awful and like why also, are good like, looking people stuff. so intimidating Emma, you're really good looking what you're talking about the first yeah. time i met you I yeah like, oh, i'm looking fuck. great today <laughs> one of my <laughs> best days <laughs> but like no i have this too like especially like but when I was single, I would like meet really good looking guys who I really found. I couldn't talk to them. I don't know. What what, what do you say? Like, you're really fit. It's the only thing you want to say, but then you can't say that. So I just said that like, oh, I've got to get out of here now. <laughs> but you do bring up like, I find the psychology behind certain diets so interesting. Like the yeah. vegan diet, for example, the whole point is she made that decision or whoever's been a vegan for a period of time has made that decision yeah. like, five years ago 10 years ago they don't make that decision at every single meal which is what chloe's talking about with decision fatigue like that's why it's easier to set yourself targets Extreme. in advance and even if they are if they even if they are like rule-based things like okay i just don't eat after 6 p.m i make that decision once and i only have to make it once it no longer takes up that like decision fatigue for me by the way i'm not telling you to do that that's just an example of something 
But the, so I did a podcast on this ages ago called 98% is harder than 100%. And it's oh, yeah. because if you commit to 100% to doing something, make that decision once. Stop questioning yourself about it all the time. This is part yeah. of the reason flexible dieting is quite hard because you're always like, I could have more now and a little bit less later. I could have this and then fit it yeah. into my calories. I could bank these calories for the weekend or I could have a little bit now and then not eat as much on the weekend. And you're constantly, yeah. every single food choice you make, is taking up some of your like mental energy yeah and your mental engine you you get decision fatigue from that so that's why we like you to plan things ahead because you plan it ahead you make that decision once and then you just follow it through and stop questioning yourself about it all the time and can i just add two more points on that sorry but emma keeps saying stuff that i then want to like talk about no i think this this has been good discussion i love it this is why guys reverse dieting is so fucking hard Because when you're dieting, right, so, okay, two points on this. Number one, I always tell you guys, all of you will know by now, create a meal plan within your numbers. People who, like, bash meal plans left, right, and center, they're not bashing it because it's it's hard to adhere to in the immediate sense. They're bashing it because it's hard to adhere to in the long run. In the immediate sense, create a meal plan that you can fucking stick to. And then if you're doing that under the umbrella of tracking, what that means is when you have a wobble, and this is this is why meal plans get bashed when you have a wobble in the medium to long term and you're like, I just want to eat that pizza. That's when you use flexible dieting to allow for that. OK, so the two should go hand in hand. And a lot of people are like you create me a meal plan. And I'm like, OK, I can. But you should know what breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks you like. You cook quick, easy, take to work, don't take like whatever you should know. So there's that. Um, and then what was the second thing I was saying? Oh, reverse dieting. And then when you come out the diet, right, you get the results, you come out with that. It's so fucking hard because now you're, you're not looking at a menu going, right, okay, I can have the lean fillet steak and a side of the sauteed greens. And there's my steak, butter, greens, done, right? Like that's how I think when I'm dieting. I know I go straight to what I can order and I order it. But you're, you're also not at the point where you're like, I'll have the cheeseburger with the chili fries right? Because you're not there yet. And you know, we're trying to do a transition here. This one's hard. You look at it and you're like, where the fuck do I sit here? Now, this is where tracking again comes in very, very handy when we're slowly bringing your calories back up. But full circle back to what Emma said, this is when tracking gets quite hard because you have flexibility. There's no extreme here. You can't go all in and you can't go really restrictive. And this is where it gets very, very tricky, especially for those of you who do get very lean. And again, your hunger signals haven't quite recovered yet. Um, so that's why I think people are like, hey, I'm done with fat loss. Bye, guys. I'll come back maybe in a few months time. And it's like, OK, bye. Good luck. <laughs> Emma and I are like, oh, God. Bye to your kids. Goes. No, I know. It's like we go over this all the time, but like you need coaching and maintenance. That's the hard bit. More than ever. More than ever. It's the hardest part. Trust me, you guys have seen photos on my page 20 pounds in two weeks yeah I did it it happened like after being shredded veins in my shoulders biceps abs everything like and that's when you need coaching more than yeah, anything and when you come to us and you're like you know I've tried all these diets in the past and they've not worked for me and things if you don't commit to the maintenance phase then unfortunately the you know the same things are probably going to happen like you'll probably put that weight back on again because the maintenance and is more. the key yeah yeah Right. I think that was an excellent discussion. Uh, let's, I love that. Let's start with Donna. Another question about CrossFit. Uh, this is about the rest and muscle building. 
The wads change daily, however, they tend to use whole body and nature of wads are without rest between sets, sometimes with mm. supersetting compounds. Also, the majority of top CrossFit athletes I follow take uh, rarely take a full rest day. So my question is, if we need to rest and grow muscle, how come CrossFit athletes are so hench? Well, I think he, I think the answer is top CrossFit athletes are full-time athletes. So when they're not, I mean, you can tell us all about James, but like he probably didn't take many rest days because he's a full-time athlete. And what he was doing outside of his training sessions was recovery. Like yeah. top athletes can train twice a day because what they're doing outside that time isn't being a busy mum or running a business or going to work or doing all these other responsibilities. Their responsibility outside of that is recovery. They probably yeah. also have a physio, a misuse, like a sauna. I don't know, like all these different recovery methods. And and they're trying to sleep for 10 hours a night and all this stuff. Like if you are optimizing your recovery out with training, you can do more training and you can adapt to more yeah. and you can recover from more. Yeah. So just to give everybody an insight, like, so James's training week would typically be two to three sessions a day. And he'd have two full days a week, one midweek, uh, a couple of days before a game, and one obviously after the game. Uh, and those were his two days off. But he was always done at 4 p.m. And as soon as he was done at 4 p.m., he'd go into club physio, where he would have a sports massage. There would potentially be cryotherapy, sauna, some kind of um, kind of uh, temperature therapy, right? Then he would um, come back to the house and he would either have a physiotherapist come here and treat him for two hours. His diet was all put together by uh, a, a dietitians and nutritionists. And he uh, was in bed every night at uh, 9 p.m. And he was awake every morning at 7 a.m., which is what is that? 9, 10, 11, 6, 7, 8. That's 10 hours sleep a night, yeah. Um, on his days off, he was typically either, again, in physio or he, we had an ice bath here that he used, um, or he would go to like local local health clubs and sit in the sauna and use it. Exactly what Emma said. Every day of every every hour of every day was geared towards either training or recovery. And exactly what Emma said. There was no social life. There was no drinking. There was no drugs. There was no partying. There was no staying up till one o'clock in the morning. Even when he went to Vegas, he went to Vegas every year sober. Didn't touch anything. Trained twice a day. Like. This was his life. And also, they're genetic freaks of nature. 99.9% .9 of people can't handle that kind of stress on the body. The, th the reason that athletes are so fucking phenomenal is because you can throw fucking anything at them and their bodies will do it and they'll do it well and they'll win medals. It's like, it's insane. But is it optimal? And I actually don't know if CrossFitters never have a day off. The ones that I follow definitely yeah, have Yeah, all of days. the ones that I know are quite religious about their Day about off. rest days yeah, yeah. like because they but you're know right how about important recovery rest that. is yeah and their rest yeah. might be i mean sometimes i know they do like active recovery and for a lot of people active yeah. recovery is more than what i would do in a full session <laughs> <laughs> really but like it's still comparatively like rest for them yeah and the other thing is like chloe mentioned this briefly on the last one but a lot of them are assisted and if you're assisted as in taking anabolic steroids you oh can God. recover a hell of a lot quicker than you can recover can. and perform 
I, I actually would say a couple things. One, the ones that I follow do take rest days. Two, you're right about rest between sets. But again, this is because it's a completely different sport modality of training to what we're telling you guys to do. Um, and again, it's why there's such a high injury rate risk with CrossFit. Yeah, and I will say resting. that like with CrossFit, your, your, your wads are effectively like your competition, right? Yeah. So like in a sport, that would be like James playing an actual rugby game or like simulating playing a rugby game. But they still do, like, or any good CrossFitters do a strength training program with adequate rest between lifts. Yeah. Like, they should have yeah. a programmed strength block. And when they're training for strength, they won't be doing wad type movements. But that's effectively like training for competition. It's the specificity of competition because exactly. that's what you do in a competition. But this is why, exactly what we said last time, the reason why people are sometimes like turn their nose up at CrossFit is because of this, because of these back-to-back big compound lifts, because of the lack of form that it can subconsciously encourage. You don't necessarily know that you've your form stopped, but of course it has, because now you're on your you know eighth set of a huge compound lift. Like, come on, like it's, it goes without saying. But look, we can definitely, like Donna, we can definitely manage it and get you, get you to a really good place on our side of things if you and your CrossFit are doing your job on your side of things um but yeah look just be prepared like really all I would say as a coach is please focus on form please be please do take rest days if you guys are lifting every day without any recovery it's a matter of time before you're injured it really is I mean it's a count it's a ticking time bomb really so those are the two things I would ask you to really focus on everything else could be up to you okay next question I have a CrossFit question too Thinking ahead to when gyms reopen, I will be heading back to the CrossFit box, which I love for the community, friendships, competition aspects. Um, But I've started thinking that maybe I've been getting better aesthetic results from home-weighted workouts. I used to do five or six CrossFit sessions a week when it was open, but now I'm not sure whether to reduce that and do more home-weighted workouts some days instead. Like Donna says... It is usually full body. Would it be too much to do a CrossFit session and then a bit more targeted weights after? For example, if there were squats and lunges in the session, could I come home and do deadlifts and weighted step-ups or target lower body? Or should press-ups and pull-ups in the wad and come home and do lat raises and bicep curls and bench press? No. No. I don't know. No, I don't I want you to I feel like I have Emma in my head telling me about the law of diminishing returns. Yeah. Yeah. Emma, keep Emma in your head. No. You go do one one session, whether it's a, a, a bodybuilding session, which is essentially what Emma and I are doing with obviously, again, obviously we look at performance too. We're not idiots. But, you know, you go do one of our sessions or you go do a fucking CrossFit session. You give either which one 100% and then you're done. Remember what we were just talking about, how then the rest of the day – athletes will be focused on recovery typically athletes are done training early afternoon the rest of the day is recovery so don't do that emma i agree okay next next question (laughs) what exactly is a stitch in medical terms and how best to do you get rid of one i remember an old coach telling me uh once it was a buildup of CO2 and you can exhale more, but I can't quite figure out the science of that. I don't know. I always assumed that it was like lactic acid response of some kind, but I just don't I know. I've never looked into like, it. it's um, just almost like a cramp kind of thing. I mean, I don't know. Um, 
Should we Google it? Let's Google it. Yeah. I used to get it really bad. I haven't had a stitch in ages. Yeah, I used to get it really bad. And everyone would say, just hold your hands above your head. Okay. A stitch is a pain in the abdomen, usually on the side that's brought on by activity. It can range from... Okay, well, that's not useful. No. We know what it is. Jeez. Yeah, I know. What a fucking cop out. Yeah. <laughs> what is a stitch? Well, it's when you feel a pain. Don't, don't you question. feel like... <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> Loads of people do this though, like within fitness. They'll use um, circular arguments to prove their point. Like, I always see it with creatine, where people are like, oh, creatine helps you lift more. And so you become stronger. And then the okay. people are like, but how? And they're like, but what so because when you lift more, you become stronger. And you're like, that you've just said the same thing twice. Yeah, it's, it's a fucking cop out. <laughs> Oh, it's come up. What is a stitch on TikTok? I don't want to know that. You're going to see some girl dancing. Why do pointing to you her side get a stitch? Oh, this says the stitch is caused by the weight of the organs, such as the stomach and spleen and liver, pulling on the ligaments that connect your diaphragm. Oh my gosh! Is I it? I did not know that. I mean, this is just Google. I've not like fact checked this. Always a good, always a good time. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's not from. um... Uh, I googled it, and you're dying. Oh wait, (laughs) okay. Theory A: Blood being pumped to limbs during exercise leaves the diaphragm weak. Theory B: Mm -hmm. Poor digestion causes muscles above the stomach to tug on the diaphragm. I actually am I'm a fan of B. I've always found that I will get a stitch if I train too close to eating. Yeah. I'm going with B, putting my bets on B. Okay, well, I don't know when we'll find out the, the answer, but I look forward to that. Okay, um, I am still so terrible at press-ups and my pull-ups, press-up and... Mm, okay uh and pull-ups and press-ups again I'm still on my knees and can now do 10 with good form but pull-ups I still can't do them even if assisted with a resistance band I've signed into the next round but while we are here and on the break would some extra focus on the right muscle groups help this or is it still the extra padding I'm carrying holding me back what exercises would help in the break Right. I just want to say this about pull-ups. They are insanely hard. Like, mm. it, I think a lot of people are like, oh, I, I managed to do a push-up, you know, within a couple of weeks. Why can't I do a pull-up within a couple of weeks? I know people that have trained for years that still can't do a pull-up. Like, it is a really, really hard movement, so don't Hell expect yeah. for it to just come. And the people that can just sort of naturally do it, usually either have like a sporting background or they're pretty light like bearing in mind you're pulling up your whole body weight it's so much easier if you don't have much body weight to pull up so don't be disheartened by the fact that it takes a while like I think it's such a cool um goal goal to have but it's a really hard goal to have as well and in relation to exercises to do I have posted these in the group already there's a program on them so check the files in the group or check under 
yeah, I think it's under files, but there's like a little your first pull up program to do. So I would do that during the break. Named your first pull up. Your first. It's gonna feel hard. (laughs) Um. Yeah, I. uh, If you can do push ups on your knees with great form, ten. Sorry, ten push ups on your knees with great form. I bet your fucking ass you can do a few on your toes with good form. Uh, you're just not believing in yourself or trying. I'm not saying you can do 10. I'm not saying you could do five, but I bet you could do two or three. Um, pretend yeah, don't you watching. think that's funny when clients are like, oh, I can't possibly do it. And you're like, just try. And then they're like, oh my God. And then they do 10. <laughs> yeah. If you can do it with good form and you can knock out 10 on your knees, then just by laws of physiology, you can do some on your toes. And I don't know how many, but you can. I told that story ages ago, right? We had this, a client I sat before about, the very first Six Nations dinner that I went to and Dylan Hartley, I was I was on my phone at the table and he made me get down in the middle of the dinner. And this was like, I can't even remember who the other team was. I think it was Italy and made me do 20 push-ups. And I've never done more than like 10 push-ups because I just don't, it's like not really how I train. But and I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this. But everyone was watching me and I nailed it. And I got up and they were like, fair play, your form's amazing. And I was like, fuck. And it was only because they were watching me. There was no way in hell the that I would have The adrenaline and pressure. The fear. I mean, rugby boys as well. I was like, oh, they're evil. Do it. Do it now. Um, and the second thing I would say, pull up. Agree with Emma. If you're slightly heavier, that's slightly the problem. Um, I can I can do, I can, with wide grip especially, I can only do a couple until I'm like, that hit that 60 kg mark. I can knock out a few more, but not a lot. Um, uh, exercises you can do to help. Instead of doing the pull up with the resistance band, sit on the floor and start doing pull downs. Do wide grip, do close grip, um, and really get all the same muscles strong. And as those muscles start to grow, and if, if you have a fat loss roll, you start to lose weight, you'll, you'll find that with the resistance bands, you can start doing that, the pull up. And you'll, it'll start slow, but you just build on it. It takes years. Yeah, it can do. Uh, we did the exact same little experiment at uni, actually, to see the impact of I think we were looking at the impact of like a crowd basically yeah and you'd have so it was like you and one other person who was counting your reps go into a room and just do as many push-ups as possible and then the next week we did it in front of the whole class and like almost everyone doubled the amount of push-ups they did and it's oh. weird because like even I did and I'm like I, I was like I'm quite intrinsically motivated and I can push myself. <laughs> Such a dick. <laughs> well, I just thought like. I don't need your judgment. No, no, no. It was more like, I don't think I could possibly push myself more. More. Than I already do. I was like, I can push myself really hard just for me. But no, massively more. You smashed it. I, yeah, it's human psychology. You can't deny it. Yeah. I'm surprised you're not a professional athlete, Emma. <laughs> I really am because you have that exact same approach that like all of every single athlete I know has is so similar to you I think it might be my lack of physical ability (laughs) I'm weak as fuck (laughs) might be that but I think I have quite nicely transferred that into other areas I think you can have an athlete mindset but push it into other areas of your life True that. True that. Right. Hi, girls. Not a ketchup recommendation this time. A proper question. <laughs> I've decided to invest in more home jit. Jit? Kit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I think I was trying to say gym kit. Jit. Gym kit. 
not planning to join a gym when lockdown ends, I have a 12 kilogram kettlebell, a pair of 8 kilogram dumbbells, 3 kilogram dumbbells, a step, various bands. I'm thinking of a weighted barbell for RDLs, squats, chest press, bench, rows, etc. Would you recommend a 20, 20 gram, a uh, 20 kilogram bar or a 25 kilogram bar? I can easily do 15 reps with 16 kilogram dumbbells at the moment. Um, so I've been pausing them. I think that's it, basically. There's quite a lot of other stuff. But I think basically recommendations of brands or where to buy at good prices. I would also just like as a simple answer, yes, go for the 20 kilogram barbell yes, i did 25 kilogram like even you could get a women's I, bar which is 15 kilograms I, I don't think that she means an olympic bar i think she means a barbell you know like the you know like the big version of a dumbbell do you know what i mean yeah. you know what i'm saying not like no, an olympic. I'm yeah no i get you now but well, in that case i would honestly, go for 25 uh, i i would say Bands, a good range of resistance bands to what to hit your back done a mat to hit your to, to be able to lie down and do some ab work a good range of dumbbells above all else will hit your upper body and lower body really really nicely if you're going to talk about barbells in all honesty I would say look to buy an olympic bar and some weight plates that is going to be quite expensive because you also have to buy well actually you know what the hold you can get little holdings on amazon that aren't that expensive they're like 100 quid max if you talk about getting a squat rack that's going to cost money however if you're saying you don't want to join a gym and you really want to progress your physique that's what you have to do and the last point I would say is that you're not going to find anywhere cheap, anything cheap right now because no. of maybe in a year. till the end of right lockdown <laughs> when everyone's yeah. getting ready. And, for... I, and then some. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of gyms are closing, which is heartbreaking for Emma and I. But the upshot of it is a lot of stuff is going to be going on sale. Do you think a lot, a lot of, of gyms are closing? Yeah. Yeah. A couple of my friends are having to close gyms. James has had to close his in Bath. And obviously so, yeah. not, and to not reopen, obviously. No. It's just, it's lost too much money. That is sad. Yeah. Okay. Hi, girls. I've loved my first round. You've both been great and so supportive. And thank you for your knowledge. Oh. I can't wait for the next round. I have one quick question. With the kids going back to school next week, I do the weighted workouts with 20 minutes cardio. I have 30 minutes spare before drop off slash pick up. Could I do my cardio bit then or do they have to? Do I have to do it in the evening after my weighted workout? Oh, no. I think even better to do it split up, really. Yeah, like, I would say the only th cardio, either split it up entirely from the weight, so, like, a good amount of time between. Do it straight after the weightlifting, so your energy has really gone to that, or do it on a separate day. The only thing that I'll be like, please don't do that, is if you have a real physique goal or a real performance goal, I never want people doing their cardio straight before their weights. But, any any other option is fine okay next question emma's instagram about training like a man just reminded me of a question i had about bench press i have never done it before the ec method and never seen it programmed for women before and wondered why that was i have to confess i did think of it as a man's exercise before slaps wrist <laughs> i have mm -hmm. been gifted a bench and it has been a total game changer bench press is one of my favorite exercises now p.s i like the way 
of posting questions for the live. PPS, I will miss you guys on the break. Oh, Karen. Aww. Karen's so uh, not a Karen as well. Where can I just ask? I I don't want to say this out loud because I feel like an idiot. I don't even understand where the Karen thing came from. Like I know how it's I know the phrase that started, but like who was Karen initially? Oh, who was the first Karen? I think it's just like people are like, oh, it's that name. You know, it's like Jenny from Slough. Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh, you know, when you look like, at someone, and you're like, oh, you would be like a such and such. Uh, my coolest, I have a lot of cousins, and my coolest one is called Karen. Do you know what her job is? Her job is to do the body paint makeup of all the best clubs in Ibiza. And every time I go into a sick club in Ibiza, like bookers and like fucking managing directors come up to me and they're like, I love your cousin Karen. And I'm like, oh my God, Karen is influential in Cousin Ibiza. Karen, big name in Ibiza. Well. Big, big Ibiza bitch. Um, yeah, no, chest press is great for women. Um uh sorry what was the question why 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 don't people i think a lot of women are like oh i don't want a big chest like as if they would suddenly have pets um i started to see a chest split that when i a a few years ago i started to get very lean and i did chest press maybe twice a week and i cut it purely because yeah i have had striated chest before (laughs) yeah i cut it just because purely me i just didn't really like it but is a chest press, especially when you've got fake boobs, like then it then it can look really good. Is a chest press a good thing for all women to have in their program? Absolutely. It also don't forget it hits your shoulders in a really nice way as well. And triceps. I'm a huge fan mm. of it. And triceps. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of it in terms of a performance uh, lift, and a huge fan of it in terms of fun. Like it's fucking fun. How we were saying the other day, training your back is fun. I love it. But I, I would say for me personally, as I started to get very lean and I started to see that split, I didn't like it, so I cut it. I but really I liked the, the split. I was like, the, oh, yeah, look. It's personal, personal yeah. preference. Some women don't like shoulders, and I'm like, I all I spend my life working for bolder shoulders. Yeah, it's like yesterday when when we were talking about lats, and we were lats, like, oh yeah. my god, <laughs> I would love big lats. But hey, right, last question. Hi, Emma and Chloe. I'm just trying to weigh up the pros and cons of daily weigh-ins. Previous to the EC method, I would avoid weighing myself as I felt they had too much control over how I felt about my progress. Now, after several weeks of daily weigh-ins, I'm just bored with them and (sighs) would like to normalise my experience of daily exercise and eating without the scales. I've signed up for round two, thinking of ditching the scales until the 16th of April. My only concern is that the is that a stall might be a little bit harder to notice. Wondering if you can share your views on this. What an excellent question. Excellent question. And I would say, if you know that historically you've got a bad relationship with them and you're going it alone without Emma and I coaching you now, absolutely categorically focus all your energy on smashing your training session, hitting your numbers in terms of your calories and macros and getting the fuck on with it, ticking the boxes. Do not go near those scales without coaches there to check you when you have a meltdown. Sorry, I was just thinking I'm reading this a little bit different. Oh, go on. <laughs> As usual. It's fine, fair play. Um, <laughs> no, I think she's saying she used to really struggle with the scales and now she's just bored of them, which I think shows that she's come a really long way and no longer sees it. Like, it's not like she's saying when I weigh in, it ruins my day. I think she's just saying yeah. it no, doesn't well, really it. add anything to me for to see the weight on the scales. Now... When we're looking at this, like pros and cons of daily weighing, 
you're right. Like the daily weighing, like doesn't add a huge amount, especially if we're looking at trends over time. But what the reason we want you to do that is because if you just weigh in on a Friday, for example, and you are oh. having a slightly heavier day for whatever reason, it can make it seem like you've not made any progress that week. Or well, that's not quite the case, but it can make it seem like you've not lost weight that week. And it can hide yeah. those results when actually maybe on average you have hit a lower weight that week or even your lowest weight that week has been lower than the previous week. So it's just a, it's just a data point for us. Like you don't need to use it, but obviously if you're only going to weigh in once every two weeks or something, then realistically it's going to be harder for us to track if you have, like if you're worried here, you've mentioned my only concern is that a storm might be a little bit harder to notice it will be harder to notice because it's less yeah. accurate. Like it's even less accurate than the scales are anyway. Whereas if we're seeing more and more data on that, then it's easier for us to see if things have stalled. But again, it comes to pros and cons of it. And like, if if it's a benefit to you mentally not to weigh yourself and it's like negatively affecting how you think about exercise and food, then yeah, don't weigh yourself but you also have to be realistic that you now have less accurate data about the trend yeah. in which way your weight is going yeah okay so okay so with the break thing I stand by that when it comes to coming back to it Emma's right like if if you're happy to tick the boxes to tick the, the calories and macros we're giving you to to smash your weekly sessions to make sure that you're hitting your steps and you know what you're happy to only check in with us maybe once every four weeks with progress pictures before and after progress pictures we can go on visual aid but it's going to have to be if you saw we aren't going to know we're going to need a basically a longer length of time before we maybe change something or address what you're doing because we have no fucking way of knowing because visual aesthetic results take time they really take time to see so all it means is that potentially your progress might be slower because we don't have a very easy metric to go on um but screw it if you find it boring and you know that you're feeling good and you're doing you're on track I'm more than happy for you to just check in once a month with progress photos like but yeah I had a I had a client recently who like she doesn't want to weigh in because she has a bad relationship with the scales and she doesn't want to take measurements and she doesn't want to do anything and and check-ins I'm just like this is really 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 hard for me as a coach so now I just have her checking in like once every eight weeks with progress pictures but yeah it, it does make it harder for Emma and Emma and I without a doubt yeah I mean it depends like you have to change your expectations now we can't give you potentially as good a feedback but if you're open to that if you're like I don't want to weigh myself I don't, and I know this isn't this individual but if you're in this position of I don't want to weigh myself I don't want to take measurements don't want to do any of that fine but we need to go off something yeah. else so we need to really measure like how you're feeling how strong you are like other markers so that we can still see yeah. progress and we can still encourage you towards that bearing in mind yeah. we don't actually care how much you weigh <laughs> <laughs> like we just want to see trends in the right direction we want to see you getting results we want to get excited about your results it's more like what you want to measure depending on what your goals are and if it is yeah. fat loss then yeah like the scales are a useful measure over time that they're trending in the right yeah. direction um so yeah I mean just to finish on this like if it's genuinely just 
you're bored then suck it up because like why would you get excited about weighing yourself like it's not going to take any time like if, if it's literally you're bored of weighing yourself i would just keep doing it, it like if fat loss is your goal but if there is if you're like oh it's making me change the way i feel about food and exercise then yeah maybe that is a reason not to do it yeah yeah if it's if it's getting in the way of you ticking the boxes that are going to get you the results then obviously this is counterproductive in every context agreed okay, okay. well oh my god this is the last live of this isn't it <gasps> shit it's the last live. so guys i am i'm doing 15 new workouts which you will be getting for the break okay I am currently on the fifth. I should be finished with them by the end of the day. And I will also be doing three files for the break. So nobody panic. We got you sorted. And the files will talk you through everything. What if the scales jump up? What if the scales jump down? What if this time? What if it, I'm literally going to cover all of it. Um, and of course, Emma and I will still be alive, you know. <laughs> so still be putting out content here, there and everywhere yes yes we will and guys you still have till sunday if you do want to stay on and the new group will open on sunday you will get an email with a link to the new group and yeah it's exciting and yeah. also i'm working on the habit stuff so that like that is going to be oh, a yeah. huge new part of the program because as much as we're always like what we care about is that you've hit your non-negotiables or you've hit these behaviors every week it's been quite hard like I mean I've tried it in numerous pro like previous EC methods which people know about if they've done them to get people to track habits but we now have such a good like visual way of doing Option. that within the app yeah so that's going to be a massive part yeah. of the next round I think that's going to be a real like game changer for people game changer you can physically see it's not just oh my weight did this it's okay look at all these green ticks of these habits you come to the end of the eight weeks and you've mostly got green like you will get results and it's it's really important on those really hard weeks where you do want to lose weight but you've not lost weight for a couple of weeks for various reasons maybe you have lost fat but you can see that you've ticked all those behaviors you don't need to worry about anything else the weight will take care of itself over time you just need to focus on ticking off those behaviors and this is going to make that so much easier to do yeah and we also have two more new things coming. One, which we already kind of do, but we're going to streamline it and make it like an actual thing, a feature. Oh, and one that's really... Can we say this one? No, not yet. Aww. Not yet. And we've got another one, which again, is already kind of a feature, but it's going to be much more interactive with you guys. So, we've, so, so far, we've, we've landed on three definite changes and there might be more, but basically they're all designed to make the process more doable and more enjoyable for all of you we want you all getting great success and there's definitely we've come up so far with three things that would help so we're yeah. very very excited the, and one of them is really exciting like it's basically it's way really more interactive for you guys and us to get like yeah. really good coaching yeah, i will not say fun. it i'll not say it because i'm about to say emma it, like, and i are fucking hell bent that this year we are going to be the best coaching platform in the uk I already kind of think we might be, but we're going to keep fucking going if it kills but us. But like by far. <laughs> by far. I by far. Yeah. Okay, thanks guys. 